How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. I grew up like most kids, worried I couldn't bench two plates, that I wouldn't fit in, that I wouldn't find love. Then I discovered partying, and suddenly all those worries went to the wayside. I didn't need love. I had keg stands. I discovered I was great at raging, and it revealed wonderful things about myself. I could relate to bros, regardless of what kind of bro they were. I could be at a party, and moon people, and everyone would laugh, you know, be witty. Or, I could play beer pong and compete with real integrity. In short, I fulfilled my potential. The Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Hour number two, Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Sneaky Joe, they call me. Don't worry, I didn't give myself that nickname. So it's not kind of toolish, you know. That's a thing, right? If you give yourself a nickname, you're kind of a tool. I did not do that in this case. Just saying. A lot of football in the last hour. I wanted to get into some hockey in this one. There's a game on right now. Flyers and Capitals. It's 2-0 Cap... Wait, that's right. We're not in a playoff race anymore. So Nobody really cares what the out-of-town scoreboard is. We're back to that. Remember all the stuff we cared about at the beginning of the year? We did a show on it. We cared about out-of-town scores, and we were always looking at the standings. And we cared about who the roommates were together and who would get introduced in pregame warm-ups, who was the starting lineup, who was starting in net, who the scratches were. That was fun. And we're back to kind of the same spot that we've been in the past. 803-0550 is the phone number. 550-550 is the text line at Sneaky Joe WGR on Twitter. If you want to get your thoughts in that route, you can. Um... We are back to the futures conversation. The, well, do this, this, and this because you're out of the playoff race and what are you going to lose? I mean, it's correct. They're in a spot where it doesn't really matter if they win or lose too much, at least when it means making the playoffs because it's not going to happen. Were they down to 2%? Playoff odds, I think. Time to play some young guys. And time to move on from some guys. Roster tinkering. I bring it up because I think it's the one thing, and you might laugh at this, but I think it kind of that's what separates the men from the boys in fantasy football, which I know is 1,000% different. But that's in that. Like I'm a guy who always tinkers with my roster. Because there's guys at the bottom that are replaceable. That, hey, if I miss out on this, if this works, then good. And if I miss out on this guy being good, well, he wasn't that good anyway. So replaceable level, I can find another guy. And 
I want the Sabres to think along those lines when it comes to their bottom six forwards and their their bottom two defensemen. Tanker. Experiment. Mess around. See what works. Go reach into Rochester. See what they've got. And the ultimate counterpunch to that has been, well, they don't have room on their roster. Time to make room. Time to make room. You've got guys that have been here year after year. They've had plenty of opportunity to become something good in the NHL. The two guys in particular for that here are Johan Larson and Zemgis Giergensens. They're both going to be restricted free agents at the end of the year. I've defended them a lot this season because I do think they've played their well, their role and I think they've done it well. They're the line this year that goes out there. They seem to have the puck all the time in the offensive end. They never score, but they have the puck. And they're keeping the other team's line on the ice at that time from scoring. And that's kind of what I want a fourth line to do, right? But I got to get some offense just once in a while. Throw Sabotka into that group. He hasn't been here for as long as those two. This is his first season. But he's been that type of player for as long. Longer. There's a reason St. Louis wanted him gone. Those three players, Sabotka, Larson, Giergensens, their role's not to score, I get it. But they have 12 goals in 177 games between the three of them. Combine all their games, they have 177 games played, and they have scored 12 times. I just need something more than that. And I'm never going to find out if I've got guys in the system that can be better than that, if I continually have the same people holding on to those bottom six roles. Ideally, the way I would want my team built in a perfect world is a top six that is getting paid a good amount of money and you know are really good and that year after year you know are really good, they're part of your core, and that your bottom six is young, inexpensive, entry-level guys who maybe were mid-round picks or undrafted college free agents, and they're guys that penalty kill, and they're guys that are replaceable. And you keep cycling them through. That's what happens on a lot of these good teams. Chicago had did it during their dynasty. If I don't know, maybe I don't want to call it a dynasty. But their run, they did it repeatedly. It wasn't just, they ran through the top six guys a lot too, but their bottom six, they continually shifted through. They continually rotated. Guys, year after year, Pittsburgh's done this. Every year, they've got a few different guys in their bottom six. Sometimes they have completely different bottom sixes. I mean, hell, the Sabres have half of it from a couple years ago. They've got Scott Wilson, and they've got Sherry who played a lot with Crosby, but last year when he got bumped off that line, he was a bottom six guy. And that defenseman, your bottom two, Hunwick, they've got him. So a lot of those role players that were on Pittsburgh, Buffalo's got them now. Because Pittsburgh cycles through. And I think this is the year where we need they need to do that with Gergensen and Larson. Their RFAs at the end of the year, I wouldn't even wait. Would everyone be okay with them moving on from them the offseason? I think most would. 
And even if the Sabres didn't want to move on from them in the offseason, they'd have to acknowledge that they're replaceable players and that it's not crucial that they be here and that it's not some sort of crisis if you were to lose one if or both of them in waivers. And the reason you would do that is to find out if you got anyone in Rochester that could be better. And they're thin down there, especially when it comes to like bottom six centers uh, or when it comes to bottom six players, but they do have bodies. Sean Malone's a guy I'd like to see up here for the rest of the season. It's only 15, 16 games, but I'd like to see Sean Malone up here. Again, not a super offensive guy, but just can I find out what he is? Can I give him a chance in the NHL? Or am I always going to reserve these third and fourth line center spots for the same guys? It's either Johan Larson or it's a veteran on a bad contract. Why is that always the top six? It's always a failed prospect or it is a overpaid guy. It's On this team, it just never seems to be the good, nice story. It's never the undrafted guy who made it all the way up to the NHL. It's never the fifth-round pick that made it up to the NHL and carved out a role for himself. That's happened here and there. It happened with Evan Rodriguez very recently, although I would maybe want to say he's above like a fourth-line guy. It happened with Marcus Foligno, who I think was a fifth- or fourth-round pick way back when. Otherwise, how often has that happened here? It hasn't happened at all. And let's give some of these young guys a shot. And I'm not even talking about the offensive guys. I don't need to see Nylander here. I don't need to see Olofsson here right now. They're separate from this. I'm talking about rolling through guys that could be in my bottom six. I would maybe want to include Smith in this, CJ Smith. Preferably, I'd like to see him actually getting top six minutes for the rest of the year on the NHL club. Playing with skilled players. Put him with Rodriguez. Put him with Middlestat. Sherry. Play him on the power play. I'd like to see that from C.J. Smith. Even a step below that, I'd rather see him on the line with Sean Malone on my fourth line for the rest of the year. And I don't see the harm in trying that on. Because worst case scenario, you are losing players, like I said, that are replacement level. And the one clip I played yesterday from Travis Yost, and I'll play it again in a second here, he... Talking about Saboka, I think we are at a point with Saboka, but I, I don't even know if I can include, include him in with the Larsons and the Giergensons. Because other than penalty killing and taking face-offs, I don't know what he is supposed to be good at. He doesn't look like he's good at anything else. He doesn't look like he's fast. He doesn't look like he stick handles well. He doesn't have a good shot. He's not big. He's not physical. What are you saying to your young guys if they're watching that guy, if they ever are, and thinking, why am I not playing over him? Just because he's getting paid? Set a precedent. Because, actually, there really is no worst case scenario with that. And I always hate to be ragging on the same thing over and over. And it's been, for me, that's been Saboka this season. But it should be, that should be an easy decision. I played it yesterday, but here it is again. Travis Yost from yesterday. 
Vladimir Saboka should be an absolute layup. He is sub-replacement level. He has been for a couple years now. His game is consistently eroded each year. That is the type of guy, if I'm Buffalo, I'm finding any team who's buying on grit and, you know, in the room, locker-type guys, all the stuff that you can't measure, and it's probably noise and junk anyway. I'm trying to trade Vladimir Saboka. It's not just about him. It's about the philosophy of how this coach kind of has managed his roster this season and how the GM hasn't really given a lot of guys a big shot up here. They've given Smith one, and they gave Pilot one. Credit to them for that. But it hasn't been consistent throughout, especially with the coach. And now that you're at a point, I don't think there's an excuse anymore to not do it. The Anaheim Ducks are not a good team. But they have made the most roster moves in the league this year. They made a million of them. The Sabres have used 31 players in games this season. 31 players have appeared in a game for Buffalo this year. Just for comparison, the Ducks, who are bad, but they've used 48. They're constantly, it seems, calling up and sending down people. Because they're trying to find a spark. They're trying to find something that will help them. They're trying to get themselves going. They're trying to find offense somewhere. I'm sure. And it just feels kind of stale. This roster feels stale. And not just in terms of the long term. Picture. Over the course of the season, it feels stale. And now you're at a point where I don't think there's any excuses. I don't think this will happen. But if I were the GM, what I would want to happen, I would want to call it on Giergensen and Larson and wave them. They're going to be RFAs anyway. I think I want to try to find other guys to do that role next season. And I want to wave Sabotka. I'll save a million bucks on my cap. And no one's going to claim him. So even if the coach really likes him that much, you can bring him right back. Nobody is claiming that at $3.5 million for next season. And give three guys that I think are at least capable of being bottom six guys right now, with a slim chance that maybe there's something more, are Sean Malone, C.J. Smith, and I think I want to throw Danny O'Regan into this. Less so for I think he could be more than a bottom six guy, but he's going to be a UFA at the end of the year, and he was a guy you got back for the Evander Kane trade, so why not just throw him up here and see what you got? They did it for one game. He got some power play time in that game. He actually missed a wide-open net, but they sent him right back down after. Those are the three guys I'd call up because at worst, I think I'm getting similar play from those three. And even if I don't, Even if they're that much worse, which seems kind of hard to believe, but even if they were that much worse, it's not like they're guys that are playing monster roles or monster minutes. It just seems like a very low-risk kind of thing that the Sabres haven't been doing all season. Do it one at a time. Anything. I'll give them credit for making the trade because that's more important to me. Montour than this stuff. This is like minor stuff in the long run. I'll give him credit for the Montour trade. The GM. Bottrell does a great job there. I think. Even if it ultimately doesn't work out. You gotta be optimistic that it will. He 
traded two pieces off his roster that weren't on his roster and brought in a guy who does who helps them right now and should help them in the long term. Should help them accomplish goals that they've been trying to accomplish forever. Like trying to reduce Ristolainen's minutes. Trying to get more skating on your blue line. More speed on your blue line, I should say. Get more puck movement on your blue line. A guy who can make tape-to-tape passes. Like, that's the perfect trade. But where's the rest of it? Where's the rest of the experimentation? Where's the rest of the not being okay with how your team's played? Change is good. Even if it's just change for the sake of change, if it's at the bottom of your roster, like I don't need them to do it at the top. I don't want them to trade Rasmus Ristolainen to make a change. Like That's almost crazy to me. I don't think you trade him unless you think you're getting $1.50 on the dollar. Has he been my problem throughout this five-year stretch of being terrible? In a way, yeah. But why has he been the problem? Look just a little bit deeper into it. Why has he been the problem? Because the guy, for his entire career, has been playing matchups he's not capable of playing. And that does say something about him. I agree. That says something about his value. I don't think at this point he's a guy you want in your top pair. Ristolainen. But what happens if I play him 19 minutes a night the last five years? (laughs) Really, think about it. Think about who gets those extra minutes, who's playing against those top lines. If it's Bogosian, you could expect a lot worse results, I think, than Ristolainen's. And if it's anybody else, I think you can expect the same. I want to see what he looks like when he's not relied so heavily on. And part of that's the coaches and the GMs for not setting up a situation where that experiment can happen. But part of it also is not on Risto and that they just haven't had that opportunity. I don't want to make that change for the sake of making change. I want to keep going on that. Because I there's a there is a thing at the end of that that I haven't tried yet, which is Risto line is like a second pair guy. The change over here at the bottom of the roster, like we know what we got there. And those guys have played, like they've had opportunity to play big roles. Gergensen's especially. Larson too. And ultimately all they've become are decent fourth line players. And if I've got a even semi-competent general manager, which I think they have more than that in Jason Bottrell, I should be able to find decent fourth line players Pretty easily if I lose out if I lose them. I just want to see something. See something that tells me they're awake. That they know that those roles are not that valuable and that you can just try stuff. And I don't really see it a lot. From them at least. Like there are other teams around the league to do it. I brought up the Ducks. The Ducks are a team that has done it. But it hasn't really happened a whole lot here. Next season. You'd want to see some more of it. 
but you're going to need some more depth coming in. And I, you'd hope that comes prospect-wise. And for that to happen, I mean, you got to play Smith in the NHL. You've got to play you got to play Malone once in a while. You got to call up Olafson once in a while maybe just to see what he's got. And this is next year. That's what I want to see from this team. Tinker. See what you got in some of these guys. I mean, Rodriguez is almost an example of it. What was Evan Rodriguez? He was an undrafted college free agent who did his time in the AHL. He got a opportunity on a fourth line here. And maybe at the time you would have only expected that for him. And once he got an opportunity in that role, you we all kind of realized, hey, this guy's got some dynamic ability to him. Like, this guy can score. This guy's got some offensive ability. And now look where he is. Now he's playing on your second line at times. He's arguably been their second-best center in the season, even though he's not really a natural center. And he's playing second power play. He's the guy that goes in on the first power play unit. He plays Eichel's spot when Eichel's hurt. Ever notice that? He does it differently. He's not the one-time option, but he is in Eichel's spot when he goes out for injury. That was a guy that once upon a time was a Sean Malone or was a C.J. Smith. And eventually they played him consistently enough where he could become what he has become. That's all I want. And I think they'll get there eventually, but that's all I want. Show me you're alive in there and he's some... Some point in these last 15 games, call it quits on some of these bottom six guys. 803 is the phone number. I want to get back into football before we get out of here, uh, specifically on the Cardinals. We didn't talk a lot about it on our show, at least today. Uh, Kyler Murray, Josh Rosen, and the thinking that it's almost a, it feels like it's a done deal that Murray's going first. And we had a guy on earlier today that says that's not necessarily the case. We'll get into that a little bit more as we progress. 803 is the phone number. If you call in the next five minutes, we'll get you right on on the other side. 550 is the text line. You can follow me at SneakyJoeWGR on Twitter. It is the nightcap here on WGR. It's not easy to win every night and, and, and be good every night, so we have to make sure that we, uh, we're focused because if sometimes when we get away from that, we, we tend to to have lapses in our game and end up losing games because of it. Jason Pominville there at practice this morning. Sabres at Blackhawks tomorrow night at 8.30. I think Pominville is here. 15 goals. It's kind of reliant on who his line mates are, but he'll finish. Anyways, you can listen to that on demand at WGR550.com. We're going to get into football in just a second here. First, let's go out to the phone lines, though, and we've got Matt who is on hold. Matt, what's up, man? You're on the nightcap. Hey, thanks uh, Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, just one quick question on you know, the Sabres and Bills, and then I'll just hang up and listen. Sure. Just uh, quickly on the Sabres, just wanted to get your thoughts on uh, on Alex Nylander. It seems like whenever, whether it's you or like the morning or afternoon guys, kind of talk about options in Rochester, no one seems to mention Nylander. We always talk about C.J. Smith or some of these other guys. And I just wanted, you know, like, is, is Nylander really that bad, or is the – you know, just kind of wanted to know what his deal was. And then quickly on the Bills, um, I know we were looking at Dwayne Allen, you know, as a, as a tight end option, but just wanted to get your thoughts on, uh, I kind of like Austin Safarin Jenkins. I think he can be, 
you know, relatively inexpensive option, and uh, or if you really see them more um, going uh, the draft route for uh, to address the tight end position. Gotcha. Hey, Matt. Thanks for the call, man. Um, I would I would want to say for let me start with Nylander. <sighs> I mean, I'm just at a point. I I don't know what I'm supposed to want from him anymore. I don't know what I'm supposed to expect. I didn't like him that much of as a prospect. I've said it a bunch of times here on the air, and maybe I should stop saying it because it was only like one or two games. But the couple games I saw of him in the OHL when I used to go down to Erie all the time to see McDavid play, the guy never wowed me. And that same feeling always carried over when he was in the development camps and preseason and the games he's played in the regular season here and the games I've seen of him play in Rochester. Just the same thing to me. I don't see the dynamic player that was drafted that was supposed to be coming eighth overall. And really, why I don't mention him is he's an offensive player that I don't really think can be a bottom six guy. I don't think maybe he could, but I mean he's an offensive player who's barely putting up half a point a game in the AHL in his third year in the AHL. So I don't know what I'm supposed to expect from him if he ever comes up. Smith is different. Smith, to me, is, hey, if he doesn't work out as a scorer in this league, I think he can be a role player. At least. And I see more from him offensively. I do. And that guy was undrafted. So that's why I don't really bring up Nylander. It's just, I, I'm, I'm lost on him, and I, I'm pretty much not expecting anything at this point. That's my personal opinion on him. The tight ends, I don't like the Dwayne Allen idea. He's a blocking tight end. I just I want to be past the days of tight ends that can only block, and that's kind of what he is at this point. I mean, he caught 13 passes in two years for New England. I like the Safarian Jenkins idea. I mean, he's not great, but he's a pass catcher, and he should be cheap, and he's still young. I mean, he's only 26. So I'd like to see that. I'd like to try that on. He's never really been in a passing offense, and I'm not saying I'm not seeing the Bills are going to be some air raid offense, some show through the through the air. But it is a guy who really has never played in a passing offense. And I'd like to see what he could I'd like to see if he could grow on what he's done. I wouldn't expect a ton, but yeah, he'd be cheap and I I don't mind that idea at all. Thanks for the call. I want to get to some Kyler Murray, Josh Rosen talk here. And I want to do that by first playing you an interview from Chopin the Bulldog earlier today. One of our other interviews of the day. Josh Weinfuss from ESPN was on with them. He comes from a different point of view than a lot of the national reporters that we've heard on this topic in the past week or two. What a lot of has been spread around is Murray's going one and that the Cardinals are shopping Rosen. And Weinfuss has reason to believe that someone is planting that. We'll play that here. He'll explain. Here's John Weinfuss of ESPN with Shope and the Bulldog. Obviously, generous words from him. Uh, but like I said, I mean, that's the relationship that he's always, you know, been very fond of me, uh, and I respect that. And I've always, you know, never taken that for granted. Uh, you know, he's always some someone I could, uh, you know, go to if I needed anything. So it, it'd be, like I said, it would be fun. Uh, and it'd be a great deal if, if I was picked number one. That is Kyler Murray. Our guest joining us now on the West Her Hotline, Josh Weinfuss. I was going to ask you, Josh, if you had an inkling as to why we were calling, 
But uh, yeah. there we go. We've got Kyler Murray sound uh, to uh, play you in. So which, that shouldn't be too hard. Yeah, I actually had no idea why you, <laughs> you or anybody else is calling this time of year. So, no, it's been it's been pretty chaotic in the last couple of weeks, and I'm sure it's just going to get even nuttier the last, the next what fifty days until the draft. Right. Well, what um, what's your read of the situation right now? There's a, there's a lot of stuff being thrown around. Like, what, what, what's your what's your best read on what is happening right now? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely very hard separate facts from fiction right now there's a lot of smoke um lot you know like tons of smoke screens just you know basically the way i've been putting it is you basically need a machete to cut through all the smoke that's being that's surrounding uh the cardinals and the kyler murray josh rosen talk but w- the way i personally look at it right now is i don't think the cardinals are going to draft murray and i don't think they're going to trade josh rosen um and here's why because i think cliff kingsbury let the cat out of the bag when he talked to reporters about three, four weeks ago now at the Cardinals facility, he was introducing some of his assistant coaches, and he got up to the podium and said that Josh Rosen is the Cardinals guy. And a couple weeks later, all of a sudden you have GMC Kime at the Combine last week saying, oh, he's our guy right now. So here's what I think happened. I think Steve Kime went to, went to Cliff, uh, Cliff Kingsbury and said, you know, like right now we don't shut the door on anything. Like this is the NFL, nothing's for certain, you know, I think that was just a learning experience for Cliff Kingsbury. Um, and then I think Steve Kine basically started this massive smokescreen campaign at the Combine, and that's where we are right now. Do you think they agree on what to do? Oh, that's, that's a tough question. I don't know, because I think, here's the thing. Everyone says the Cardinals need Kyler Murray to run the air raid offense. I don't think that's true by any regard. Because if you look at some of the quarterbacks who have been successful in the air raid, look at Cliff Kingsbury himself. He was phenomenal in the air raid, and he's like 6'2", 6'3", 6'4". Tim Couch, I mean, we're going old school here, but he played for Hal Mummy, who's basically the godfather of the air raid. He's a taller quarterback. So I don't think this narrative that they need a small quarterback um, to run the air raid and for the air raid to be successful is, is you know, is, means much because in the history of the air raid, we've had tall, big-arm pocket passers run the offense and been very successful at it. So, um I just I don't buy into that narrative that you need a small athletic quarterback. So to answer your question, though, I don't know if they necessarily agree on it because I don't think Cliff. But I don't think that they that they don't agree on it. I think they're just trying to figure out what the best option is for this team in terms of are they going to get a good offer? And if they get a good offer for the number one pick, and that includes Josh Rosen, then I think we're going to have a different conversation come uh, late April. Any idea how Josh Rosen is taking all this stuff in at this point? No, he's been very quiet. Uh, he's been pretty much off limits to us through the team um, for the last, you know, since the season ended. Um, but I mean, if, if I, you know, from what I've learned about Josh over the last um, almost year now, is that I'm sure if there's any, I'm sure he's not exactly thrilled that this is happening, and I'm sure he has let people know he's not thrilled about it because uh, he's a very opinionated person, and um, unless the Cardinals have privately um, told him that you know he's for sure the quarterback. Unless that's happened, I'm sure he voices his displeasure um, pretty often. <laughs> all right. So having said all that, Josh, um, I'm sure you're noticing a lot of people think it will happen. What do you make of that? Like I'm, I'm not uh, at all disrespecting your yeah. position on this, but you're hearing a lot of, yeah. you know, it, a lot of predictions going the other way. 
Well, so, I mean, when I was in Indianapolis at the Combine, I had multiple people tell me it's a done deal. They're drafting Kyler Murray, and they're trading Josh Rosen on draft day. Mm-hmm. Well, it got to the point where I was hearing the exact same phrasing from multiple people, which, to me, started sounding like, all right, <laughs> there are talking points out there. So, you know, it almost sounded like I was in Washington, you know, covering the president, and, 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 and it just seemed like everyone had the same exact message. And to me, that's when some of the red flags you know, started popping up saying, okay, if everyone is saying the exact same thing, because when this type of situation happens, you kind of get a little different, um, and, you know, you, you, so it's all slightly different from everybody. But, you, you know, this time it was exactly the same thing. So to me, that was some sort of campaign coming from, I don't, I don't know exactly where yet, but that was, you know, a campaign to convince us that the Cardinals are very interested in Will Jeff Kyler Murray with the sole intention of raising the, the stock on the, uh, on the number one pick. There is Josh Weinfuss, ESPN, right there at the end. You hear him talk about how he thinks it's a big smokescreen and that the Cardinals want, maybe not the Cardinals, but maybe somebody wants everyone to believe that, well, he did say the Cardinals, that Kyler Murray is going first and Josh Rosen uh, could be traded. Uh, I don't know what Arizona benefits from that other than making their young, second-year, opinionated quarterback really mad. Like, if you're not going to draft Kyler Murray, I don't know why you do all this. And if you are going to draft Kyler Murray, how I don't I don't how would it drive up the price on Rosen? You know what I mean? If everyone knew you were going to draft Murray first and that you were going to trade Rosen, well, wouldn't that inherently drop the value of Josh Rosen? Because you know they're going to trade him. They're not going to keep both. So I don't I don't really get why the Cardinals would do it. I wouldn't be a surprised if someone else is planning the story. I don't know who that could be. Oakland. Maybe John Gruden's got his hands on this. I don't know. It's a real interesting situation and it's thank the Lord, the Kyler Murray declared for the NFL draft cuz he has brought some drama and he's brought some intrigue to it. He's the most interesting thing of this draft. Next to him and DK Metcalf and his insane biceps and 40 time and bad cone drills. Like, he's an interesting one, too. But Kyler Murray's the star of the show next month. I think they should do it. I think they should draft Murray. I love Rosen. I like him a lot more than a lot of people, even after that rookie season. But they should, they should draft Murray and trade Rosen. It's what I would do if I were them. So good. He's so accurate. He's so dynamic. And he fits that offense perfect. I think I still think they're going to do it. The money is going to be on them doing it, and I, I think they're going to do it. It makes too much sense for them to not do it, even though it's a unique situation with Rosen. It makes too much sense. 803 is the phone number. Last call in the nightcap coming up next here on WGR. I'm not going to talk about another team's players, but if, Kevin, you're out there, here's my cell phone right here. <laughs> that was uh, Browns GM John Dorsey talking about the Steelers GM, Kevin Colbert. I think he's saying there that he has not called Cleveland on Antonio Brown. 
That's all right. Cleveland seems pretty set on uh, going after Odell Beckham, at least going after, whether they get him or not. Who knows? But the rumor right now is that the Browns and Giants could be inching towards something involving Odell Beckham. Um, one thought I had about that is how that affects fantasy. Because that's a one of the dominant players in fantasy football. And Brown, we talked about earlier in the station on the afternoon show, I didn't really think Brown leaving Pittsburgh makes much of a difference for him. He's probably going to go to a spot where they throw the ball enough that he'll still be an elite fantasy receiver. Beckham, I really think, especially coming from me, and, man, just you separate from that giant situation. Eli Manning's so bad. He's so bad. And I think if you got Beckham out of that spot and you put him in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield, who just had one of the best rookie seasons we've seen in a long time, it's not like you can easily focus all your attention on him either because they do have other weapons. They've got Landry. They've got Njoku. They're going to have a couple of running backs in the past game. Kareem Hunt, Duke Johnson. Nick Chubb's not really a passing option. I think Beckham to Cleveland's a great spot for him fantasy-wise. I'd want to bump him up from like maybe the number five receiver to number two if he goes there. Cleveland could be so fun. I, ho- I hope they do it. I really do. I root for them on the side. A little bit, I guess. But uh yeah, I think that would be that would be great. A great spot for him to land. And I think that would make that team the f- one of the front runners in the NFC uh or yeah, AFC North. I think if Brown Lee Brown and Bell are gonna leave Pittsburgh. You know, the Ravens are okay. Bengals, eh. Like I think Cleveland, oh man. If they get Beckham, I'm I'm going all in on it. I'll say they'll win the the AFC North. And I'm I'm maybe getting there anyway. Like I'm I'm feeling Cleveland for twenty nineteen. All right, Pit Reporters is coming up next. Thanks, everybody, for listening. You can catch the whole show on demand at WGR550.com. Like I said, to start it off, sadly, this is it for me this week. So I'll be back next Monday. Sabres at Blackhawks tomorrow at 830. Then we'll have Bandits Lacrosse on Friday night. This has been the Nightcap. Jody Biasi. thanks, everybody, for listening. Pit Reporters up next here on WGR. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.